0: the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley, sitting in for Brother Bert Harper. And Bert is away at the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, the part of this week, he'll be back in the studio on Thursday. However, you'll be blessed to know that I am not alone. This is a program that I would not do alone, uh, because I, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to you folks. So today, it's my privilege to be alongside Dr. Alex McFarland. Hey,
1: Alex. Well, Jim, the privilege is mine because I uh, love being on with Bert Harper and just love every chance that you and I get to gather around the Word of God. And so, Jim, thank you for being so faithful. Whenever Bert is out or if I'm on the road, you are so faithful to step in and pinch hit for for Bert and I. So uh, kudos, brother.
0: Well, you're very kind. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, earlier you and I were talking on the phone about where we were going to pick up today. And we had talked about Acts thirteen eleven is where you guys left off on Thursday of last week. So three three eleven. Three eleven, I'm sorry. I I said thirteen eleven, didn't I? Yeah, that's all you, right. You know the problem with thirteen
1: and three? What's that? They're
0: ten chapters apart.
1: Well, yes, and we don't want to miss those ten <laughs> chapters of the the New Testament book of Acts. and So Bert and I only started a week ago, so folks, if you're just now tuning in, uh, you haven't missed a whole lot. We're just in Acts chapter 3. But um, Jim, this is kind of the the history book of the early church, and uh, a lot of Bibles, it'll say the Acts, A-C-T-S, not A-X-E, not an axe that you cut wood with, but actions. It'll say the Acts of the Apostles, and this was kind of... Well, we think that this book is just the perfect bridge from the resurrection and the ascension of Christ to Paul's letters, because in the book of Acts, so much takes place, the conversion of Saul of Tarsus and really the persecution of the church, but the growth of the church. But where we are here in chapter 3, this is just after Peter preached at Pentecost, the inaugural sermon of the church age, and then there were some healings. But the message of God and the the power of God is just undeniably evident before all the people, isn't it? It
0: absolutely is, and the and the willingness of men to be used of God, I, I think, is also a key part of this, uh, because as you said, they had just gone through some different experiences. But they were still willing to be used. And I I think that's a God still uses men filled with the power of his Holy Spirit to communicate his word and his will to people. Now,
1: Mm.
0: we may not be apostles, but we are disciples. And if we follow through in our call to be disciples, then we're still willing to be used because we're walking out the
1: um, Great Commission. Amen. Well, you know, uh, Acts chapter 3 begins that Peter and John, they went to the temple at the hour of prayer. Now, this is really interesting because the temple is Jewish. Um, now, uh, Jews are, more Jews were saved in the first century than Gentiles, but, but here's the thing. Uh, they were going into not-friendly territory, to witness and share the gospel, right? And, you know, I, I just wonder about the temple, because if you read Matthew 27, you know, when Christ was on the cross, it was a big earthquake, and the, the curtain that shielded the Holy of Holies was torn in two. So, Jim, certainly people have to know, even though the Jewish temple was the center, the focal point of Jerusalem, and the fo- going to the temple and being an observant Jew was the focal point of life in Israel, But certainly, people have to know that it's a new day. 3,000 people got saved at Pentecost. Mm. Um, Jews are following this teacher, Jesus Christ. And then the the apostles, and the apostles were people that were with Jesus and or saw the risen Jesus. They're doing miracles. Um, This blind man uh, has been healed. A crippled man has been healed. But let's begin at verse 11. This crippled man, which was healed, held Peter and John, and all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, Solomon's porch. It's still there to this day. You can go to Solomon's porch. And they greatly wondered. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? Verse 13, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our forefathers, has glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you deny the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. That was Barabbas. And killed the prince of life, whom God has raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Now, Jim, Peter is not letting this opportunity go by. It's just amazing if you look at verse 13. Just maybe these people listening had been in the crowd that shouted, Crucify him, crucify him. Mm -hmm you remember Pilate so earnestly said, Why? What has this man done? I find no fault in him. And uh, Peter is preaching, and I, I guess a lot of people, hopefully a lot, fell under conviction, because verse 19, Peter's going to just call on him and say, Repent, be converted, and we'll come back to that word, that your sins be blotted out. But I'm telling you, this is a moment of high drama. And for a lot of people listening, this would have been a moment of very significant decision.
0: Well, it sure would. And when you look at the boldness of Peter uh, there and think back to not that long ago when he was uh, there at the fire after the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, and they came and said, aren't you one of his disciples or aren't you one of his followers? Then, uh, you know, Peter said no. No. And then we see the restoration of Peter, as we've talked about. And now we see the boldness of Peter uh, as he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the living word of God. And I think one of the reasons that Peter preached the way he did here is he knew what it was like to be convicted and he knew what it was like to be restored. Um, And so after he repented, and it's so I think that's part of the boldness here. But yes, sir, you know. Uh, repent, therefore, and be converted. I like that you said we'll come back to that word, because that word means a lot, doesn't it?
1: Well, it it really does. And, you know, you really do see a good template for an evangelistic sermon here, because the people are marveling at Peter and John. And Peter is basically saying, look, it's not about us. This lame man did not get healed because we have power. But let me tell you about god who has all the power and then he goes on and he says look you have sinned you delivered the just the righteous son of god to the cross so you're a sinner and uh that would be so sad if the story ended there but god has raised him up and uh what you did verse 17 brethren i know that what you did you did through ignorance as did your rulers. But those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ should suffer, and he hath so fulfilled. All right, now, before I get to verse 19, here's the thing. You you explain what sin is, Mm -hmm. and then you explain that we are all personally guilty of sin. But God has made a way for our sin to be forgiven, and the proof of that is in the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, which, incidentally, was the fulfillment of prophecy. If you, The Psalms and the, the Old Testament prophets talked about how the Messiah would rise from the dead, and Job 19 talks about this. So, what do we do? In verse 19, like any good evangelist, and frankly, any good preacher, Peter calls for a decision. Uh, In sales, they say, ask for the order. In evangelism, folks, it's always, whether you're in a pulpit or talking to somebody one-on-one, ask. Say, wouldn't you like to make a decision today? Mm. You could know Christ today. Verse 19, Peter says, repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So repent means to turn. And maybe, Jim, there might even be somebody listening today, and you're not sure if you're right with God. If you were to die, you don't know if you'd be in heaven or hell. Listen, you can make sure, and you can today turn. that's what repentance means, to turn from sin and put your faith in Jesus. Um, Jim, let's talk about verse 19. Two just incredibly significant words, repent and converted. First of all, repentance. Uh, Jim, that is a key part of the gospel, isn't it, that we are to agree with God. God says we're sinners, and we're guilty, mm-hmm. and we, we do deserve judgment. Um, and part of getting saved is to agree with a holy God who lovingly but sternly warns us of our sin problem. That's part of repentance, isn't
0: it? It sure is, and the Amplified Bible There in verse 19 says, So repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, and return to God. Seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. Mm. Now, that as we like to say, that will preach. And amen. to, to see the different ways that they can com- kind of complete that sentence there, it, the insight that's there, it's one of those things that sometimes, you know, it's okay to read another Bible with your King James. It's okay to look at a different translation. Um, and so, because you'll find it encouraging sometimes. But brother, verse 19, like you said, you know, it's one of those things that, we don't pick verses out of the Bible very often, but that's a verse that would stand alone because it's told you all you need to know to come to Christ, isn't it?
1: Well, it really does. And let me just say, these words are so beautiful. Um, the word repentance is a Greek word metanoia. I'm sure you've heard preachers preach about this, and it means a couple of things, like we said, to turn, to turn to Christ, mm. right? But it also means to agree with God now. When we come back, I want to unpack a little bit the word converted, be be changed, because conversion is what happens when you've put your faith in Jesus.
0: Amen. Folks, this is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. That was Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley, and we'll be back with more straight ahead. They say it only takes a little faith to move. You know, Alex, that's one of my favorite songs from Mercy Me. And I could get carried away and just listen to it. Folks, welcome back to Exploring yes. the Word. Jim Stanley with Dr. Alex McFarlane. And Alex, you were going to unpack Converted just a little bit.
1: Well, yeah. In my Bible, it says, uh, Repent and be converted. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a great call to action. Turn to Christ and be saved. The word converted, surprisingly, is a Greek word, but you learned it in school as a French word, but it's the same word, and it's the word apostrophe. Now, you think about this. Uh, Imagine a teacher writing on the blackboard, and you know a little apostrophe is a little mark that goes one way and gets turned the other way. And indeed, it 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 does mean to change direction, to go a different direction, but an apostrophe turns one word into a different word, the word converted. Now, Jim, uh, one of my jobs when I was in college, I was working for a, a, a vending company repairing jukeboxes and pinball machines and video games. I did electrical work. And in all of those and many appliances, there's something called a converter. Because A.C. comes in, but all the little gadgets within the jukebox are powered by D.C. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got one kind of current, but you need a, something completely different, you need a converter. And p- praise God, that's what happens when we come to Jesus. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says we are a new creature. The old has been passed away. All things are made new. Why? Because we were converted an apostrophe. I just think that's such a vivid picture, isn't it? Like going one direction and we do a 180 and go a different direction. I'm glad for God's apostrophes because, hey, before Jesus, we all do need to be changed.
0: We sure do. And, you know, one of the first things that a lot of folks say when they've come to Christ, when they have repented, when they put that old way aside and say, look, I'm a sinner, and I need you to change me. I need you to, to work the uh, restoration of the Lord in me. Uh, one of the first things that folks feel is a sense of relief because they feel a burden's been lifted. And, Alex, mm-hmm. don't you think part of the reason for that is because we have found out what it means to be yoked with Jesus, that he is there to help us carry the things we could not?
1: Amen. Amen. And, you know, isn't it a blessing? I mean, it is such a relief. I know we all have responsibilities, and, you know, that's just part of uh, living life and being a grown-up. There's there's bills you got to pay, and there's just a lot on all of our plates. We know that. But it is such a relief to know that God is carrying us along. Jim, there might be people right now, and you're stressed about family issues, job, the economy— you know, where in the world is this country headed? And it's, it's only rational to be concerned, and we're all—I'm very much dialed in and want to know what's going on, but ultimately, Jim, when you lay down and put your head on the pillow at night, folks, your life and even this whole world is in God's hands. And isn't that good to know? Your sins are washed away. Mm. You now have—if you're a believer, you have the friend who sticks closer than a brother— And ultimately, folks, walk in this peace and this realization that um, our destiny is in the hands of Almighty God who cannot fail. Jim, isn't that liberating to realize that I don't have to worry? In fact, worry doesn't do a bit of good. We just trust the God who does all things well.
0: Amen. You know, verse 20 goes on there to complete that thought that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all, or, pardon me, by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Alex, there we've talked about this before. We want to be restored to our fellowship, to our joy with the Lord. And part of that comes even after you've been saved, if you have begun to stray away, one of the first things you notice is that the joy is not what it once was. The peace isn't what it once was. We remember King David saying, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And so I think that carries over. But one day we're going to be totally restored to Christ when we're Mm -hmm. with him that total restoration that the bible promises. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons that Paul wrote in Corinthians, now we see in part, then we'll see clearly. You know, we'll see as though face to face and it's just one of those things that even once we come to know God and and trust Christ as our savior, that's just the the beginning, isn't it?
1: Well, it really is. And you know, you mentioned verse 21. This is such a beautiful thing. Now, Peter is telling the crowd, okay, Jesus is the one, he's the one the prophets spoke of, he was raised from the dead, repent, you know, turn to him, and it says that um, Jesus Christ was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive. Okay, that was the ascension. The heavens received Mm -hmm. Jesus. He ascended up into heaven, and, you know, so many songs talk about the return that uh, he is coming back, and uh, you know he will come. And lo, he comes on clouds descending. He's going to come. All right. Until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all the prophets. Now it's interesting. The word restitution, or some translations will say this: the 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 restitution or or reconciling of all things. But another. Accurate rendering of the Word is reestablishment. Mm. See, what was so beautiful, the millennium, is really going to be Eden restored here on earth. We're going to go back to the beginning, or like the beginning, before the fall. And uh, remember, God created it. was just the most idyllic, perfect environment. Over and over, God said, it is good, it is good. But then the fall happened Sin entered the equation, and and here we are today. But I am so glad that God is going to restore or reestablish all things. And Peter's saying this is what was prophesied. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 18. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord God raise up unto you from among your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things. By the way, Jim, you know, on the Mount of Transfiguration... um, Matthew seventeen and in other places when the voice of the father came and said "This is my beloved son, hear him see that was predicted mm-hmm. that the Messiah that would be raised up the prophet and Jesus was prophet priest and king we we were to hear him uh, Jim it'd be a lot better world if people did listen to Jesus wouldn't it be
0: it sure would it, unfortunately that's not the case and We talk about revival in our country, and we need it desperately. But we need it more sometimes in our own homes, in our own lives, Uh, more so than, not more so than, but uh, at least so that we can be part of that change. You know, I remember years ago, Tony Evans had a book. Uh, Tony Evans has many books, but this one, uh, it talked about if if you want a better country, if you want a better state, if you want a better community, if you want a better church, if you want a better home life, you got to start with a better you. And he Mm. didn't leave it upon us to transform ourselves, but rather he talked about completely surrendering to the Lord. And so that's one of the things that we have to do too. Uh, And that's part of what all of this is talking about here. Because without that, then then we kind of miss the mark. But it's interesting uh, here, uh, Alex, I apologize, I'm not sure which verse you left off on. Uh, Uh,
1: Pretty much 22.
0: Okay, and so, uh, you know, we look down through there, and we see all of those things that that we've just talked about, and it talks about the covenant coming up, and we're going to cover that, but I think it's interesting because you talked about they were preaching in the synagogue. And this is one of the things that we saw is that Jesus went to bring the Jews back to fellowship first. That yes. that's that was his job. But when they began to turn away, and he simply, it, it's kind of like the parable, you know, go out and it, we, we invited all the important people. We've done all this, and they couldn't come for whatever reason. Let's open up the table to everybody. Just mm. go bring them in, whoever it is. And so this is kind of what happened Because it was the the Jews who did indeed uh, call for Christ's life and say, look, he's raising himself up to be our Messiah, and we don't recognize him as that. But here we see that the invitation's being made again, if you will.
1: Amen. Well, absolutely. And you know what's so interesting? In verse 15 of Acts 3, Peter said, you know, you killed the prince of life. Mm-hmm. But a similar word is in verse 23. All right, those that wanted to destroy Christ, they're ultimately destroying themselves because it says it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet, this is Jesus, the Messiah, shall be destroyed from among the people. And the wording there means utterly slain, Mm. literally exterminated. Now, I think about Revelation 2015, it says, "...and whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire." See, they couldn't kill the Lord of life. He rose from the dead. But those who reject Him will ultimately suffer eternal death. And you might say, well, gee, I wasn't there back then. It's not my problem. No, it is. Because it was our sins. It was my sins. That Jesus went to Calvary for. So accept Christ and put your faith in Jesus. Don't be destroyed. God doesn't want that. God wants you to be saved and be in heaven, but he's not going to make you go there against your will. You have to put your faith in Jesus. Peter goes on, and he speaks of all the prophets from Samuel and those that followed, uh, and they, they knew Daniel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, mm-hmm. Ezekiel. They knew And Peter clearly shows his knowledge of the Scriptures. They were all speaking of the Messiah Jesus and these times. And verse 25, You are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, And in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, in turning away every one of you from his iniquities." Wow. Uh, Acts 3, 25 and 26 are so powerful, because back in Genesis 12, 1 and 2, God had told Abraham, uh, through you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, because I'll send the Messiah. That was God's promise, and indeed, that, that Savior came, and it's Jesus, and He is preached to this day, Jim, because there's no other Messiah. There's no plan B. There's no other way. Uh jesus was the the savior then he still is the one and only savior now
0: amen and
1: you know we've talked about
0: before that the chapters and verses are pretty much roadmaps for us to be able to find our our way through the scripture but just because we end verse uh, chapter three doesn't mean that we that that thought process ends or the story ends uh because as we see Peter and John are about to be in trouble, and it's <laughs> interesting to note that just a little bit ago we talked about uh, the Jewish guard, if you will, uh, the the priest, and they were the ones that wanted to crucify Christ because he was getting in the way of their plans. And now we see that it's the same grouping of people that are wanting to take uh, Paul, uh, P, pardon me, Peter and John into custody because they're telling the message of the of christ and how they can still be saved uh so uh, i'm not sure if you want to get into that today or not but i just find it interesting that here all there throughout this whole thing the the sermon has been what it's been repent and be saved repent and be converted repent and find peace in christ and now in in chapter four as they spoke to the people the priest, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them being greatly disturbed that they had just taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them, and they didn't lay hands on them in a good way. Yeah, you know, mm. it wasn't. They weren't praying over them. And, and they they weren't lay. praying
1: a blessing no. <laughs> on them, were they? <laughs> they
0: were not. Uh, they were grabbing them up. So as we look at that, Uh, Let me go ahead and finish that thought. I'm sorry. And they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Notice again that they came in the night. They came in the evening, if you will, as it was beginning to get dark. They waited and let them preach preach all day. And then when people had begun to get tired, perhaps, they came and said, all right, hey, y'all got to come with us. We're going to take you to, to custody for the night. And uh, so, however, many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So there were another 5,000 converts that day as recorded by Scripture. But Peter and John were on their
1: way to jail. Mm. Well, and here's the thing. A lot of the um, the impetus for them to get arrested was... From Sadducees. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing: um, I know people have heard this. The Sadducees didn't believe in life after death and the resurrection, uh, and that's true. And you know, people have said that that was why they were so sad. You see, mm-hmm. uh, well, they're preaching the resurrection. The Sadducees are the aristocrats; they're the ones that got money, and they were secular, very secular. Didn't believe in an afterlife, but they wanted Peter and John stopped. Well, hey, here's a number. We're going to take calls after this br- brief break, 888 589 Call us with your Bible question. You are the light. So when the darkness falls, the greatest heights, they never seem so tall, no, not at all. You're right. It's my roots that you're growing. Don't want to miss what you're showing. Ain't no doubt about you.
0: Shouting the gospel to the masses. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm Jim Stanley, and my uh, not my guest today, the host today is Dr. Alex McFarlane. And Alex, it's getting close to time for you to visit the Cove, isn't it?
1: Oh, what a blessing, Jim! Thanks for asking. Yes, July seven, eight, nine, and I know that's just like three weeks away. But there is still time to register. Now, uh, they tell me the cove is full in terms of their hotels, but across the highway there is ample lodging, several hotels. I'll be uh, finishing up Second Peter. The theme is thriving till he comes. Mm. It'll be a great thing to do with. Your summer, July seven, eight, nine. If you go to their website, thecove.org, and like put my name in the space bar, you'll find it. But, Jim, we always have hundreds of people from throughout the Western world, really, had a family come all the way from India two summers ago. But we get into the Word, we fellowship, we pray, we walk these trails and see this incredible uh, conference center that Billy Graham built, and... Uh, after being there 17 years and being on Exploring the Word for 13 years, a great portion of the attendees are always the big American Family Radio family. And so you'll make a lot of friends. We'll have a good time. Come see us July 7 through 9 at The Cove. Amen. All
0: right. Well, let's go to the phones now, 888 You know what, Alex? Just before we go to the phones, I had a question come in. We had a question come in. To word at afr.net, word at afr.net. And so the question was, was a question from uh, Genesis, if you will. Okay. And now I can't find it. But basically, the question there, there were two questions Did Adam and Eve eat meat in the garden?
1: Uh, no, they would not have, okay. uh, because prior to the fall, there was no death. So to eat meat, there would have had to been uh, an animal killed, mm-hmm. and uh, so prior to the fall, nothing would have died. So um, I, I say with pretty strong confidence, no, they would not have been meat eaters prior to the fall.
0: All right. And I'll find the other half of that and ask you tomorrow, how's that?
1: All right, sounds good.
0: All right, I didn't bring my laptop in with me today. I normally do that. But today I just brought a good old-fashioned paper Bible. Amen. I I thought that might, you know, I need to fill the paper every now and then. Well,
1: I feel the same way. (laughs)
0: Let's talk to John calling from Mississippi. John, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word.
2: Hey, thank you, guys. Hey, my question is Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. Uh, I discussed over two hours, trying to explain that to my best friend. Uh, <laughs> he thinks, I, I assume I don't need to tell you what that verse says. It's, it's having obtained the knowledge of a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But uh, I think staying within yourself in your sins, he thinks that means you can lose your salvation. And I said, no, i tried to explain it to him. Now, you tell me if I'm right or wrong, okay, that it means you heard the gospel. You had it explained to you, and you refused it. You, not, you did not accept it. Therefore, you're worse off now than you were before you heard the gospel. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And, and let me say, um, and you and I are in 100% agreement, the, the issue of eternal security is one that I would say equally good, well-intentioned Christians disagree on. I've got some friends in ministry, and they are just wonderful Christian leaders, and they, they think you can lose your salvation. I, I respectfully disagree. I think everlasting life is exactly that, everlasting but I will say, like Second Peter, and it's funny you would ask this, but I, I spent yesterday afternoon for hours working through Second Peter chapter 2. So you're right where I've been studying. Um, Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, 1 John 2, second Peter 2. All of these passages talk about people that knew about Jesus, knew about salvation, had every opportunity. Maybe they even, because look at verse 20, after they escaped the pollution of the world, maybe they got in church and even were living better than they had been living, but they didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. It's not that they had it and lost it. It's that they never really fully had it. And so um, I think there are a lot of people that have heard the gospel. Maybe they intended... One of these days, I'm gonna get around to that. I'll I'll deal with Jesus eventually, and then they die, and eventually never comes. So, Jim, you know, uh, equally good Christian people can disagree on this. But my personal conviction is that um, a, a Christian might backslide, mm-hmm. but they'll they'll come back. You know, right, uh, Jim? Here, here's a question for you: The prodigal son, right, uh, and by Was that prodigal son unsaved and he got born again? Or was he just very seriously backslidden and came back, you know?
0: Well, you know, for that particular thought, I think we look at that story and we see that perhaps the younger son had become so comfortable in his father's lifestyle, but he no longer wanted the restraints that the father was telling him. So he went out on his own for a while, lived his own life, and found out that he had removed himself from the blessings of the Father. And having found that out the hard way, he came home to find the Father waiting for him. And I think that that is uh, such a beautiful picture of God mm-hmm. the Father and Jesus as, as sometimes they wait for us to come back. Um, and one thing here, let me let me mention this real quick. Uh I'm using my David Jeremiah study Bible today. Just a little shout out for Dr. Jeremiah there. Uh, Amen. It, it, his study notes say, As unclean animals, dogs and pigs were reviled by the Jews. Peter's audience would have understand how despicable it was to know the way of righteousness and deliberately turn from it. And then he's in, he goes on to talk about false teachers. says, These false teachers once had knowledge of Christ— but had returned to their old lifestyles, their their falling away proves that knowledge of facts is not enough to save anyone. Only a deeply committed personal relationship with Jesus delivers people from divine judgment. Now, Mm. we know there are denominations that, that teach once saved, always saved. We know there are those that teach that it's possible to fall away from that. But I think it comes back to, and it sounds like a cliche, but it's not meant to be, but truly saved, always saved. Mm. You know, that complete well saving said. knowledge. So, Well, that one's not mine. I can't remember who I heard it from first, uh, so I can't claim that as mine, but just knowledge. Uh, that That's head knowledge being repeated as heart knowledge because one has to become the other, or one's no good without the other.
1: Well said. I I want to give that number, folks, if you've got a Bible question and you've got time to call us, it's 888-589-8840. And Exploring the Word will gladly receive your question.
0: All right, let's talk to Kim calling from Tennessee. Kim, welcome to Exploring the Word.
3: Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for taking my call today. Um, I have two questions, but I know because of time restraints, You may not be able to answer both of them, so if you can just answer one, I will be satisfied. My first question is, and I don't know if this is just the devil messing with me, Um, when um, God told Adam and Eve to replenish the earth, why would he do that when he knew that we would not be able to resist sin? You know what I'm saying? That we would... Still sin, even after he had put them out of the garden. Um, And then, um, because to me, I was like, I'm thinking, why would he want them to have more children who are just going to be disobedient and defiant to to him? The second question is um, I am a believer, I believe in God, know that the Holy Spirit is within, know that Jesus is real. However, I have I feel no connection to to Jesus as a real person and it's bothering me so bad I can hardly sleep at night I can't find an answer and I was wondering if you could help me um, with that I'm driving so I can't write down any scriptures or look through any Bibles yeah. or anything well, like that
0: uh, Kim after. Uh later when you get to a place you'll be able to hear this on our podcast at net, and you can scan forward if you want to to where we get to these answers now i don't want to i don't want to put one question away in favor of the other however alex i think that we can come back at another time and talk about the garden yeah. but I, uh, I think what we if you agree I, I, let's talk about kim's not feeling that connection to Christ and and feeling no no sense of him as a person
1: right um has there been a time that you prayed and asked Christ to save you and uh you, you've put your faith in Christ is that right
3: oh yes uh several years ago and um it was a joy that like i had never had in my life before which i know mm-hmm. god is a spirit and 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 the Holy, like I said, He has uh, sent His Spirit to be within us. Now that Jesus is with Him, mm-hmm. uh, but I can't get that joy back. I can't get right. that trust back. I, I, I don't know what I'm well, praying. Let me pray just
1: say this: um, one of the beautiful things about. The, the gospel is that your standing with Christ is not based on emotions mm. which may or may not be there. I mean, all of us, sometimes we feel joy. Uh, just I've, I've been in seasons of my life where I just felt joy, and I've been in seasons of my life where I felt almost like an orphan. But here's the thing, where you stand with God is based on His Word that can never change, and let me let me encourage you. If if you know that you're a Christian, you've accepted Christ, and you say that you have, and uh, I I believe you. Um, take joy in the knowledge of promises. I, I think of one in particular, and I know, like Jim said, come back and listen to this again later, perhaps. But in First John 1 John chapter five verse thirteen. Speaking of the gospel, it talks about Jesus has given us life, and it says, these things were written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. K-N-O-W is the word for certainty. You can be certain, and it doesn't say based on feelings, which can be hot or cold, but on the promises of God's Word. Over and over, it says, he who has the Son has life. That's First John five one. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you have everlasting life. So I would encourage you to um, draw your confidence and your your emotional, um, you know, assurance on the promises of God's word, which never change, instead of emotions, which ch- my emotions can change daily, if not hourly. Emotions are not a good litmus test for where you stand with God, is it, Jim? It's not. Uh, Kim, let me
0: ask you if you don't mind, and I know that you've established that you've accepted Christ as Savior, and you said that happened several years ago. Has anything changed? Has something come in that's caused you to doubt uh, what's going on there? And I'm not a psychologist. I want to be clear about that. But oftentimes I've found in my life that when I don't feel close to Christ, he hasn't moved, but something's kept me from praying. Something's kept me from reading the word. Something's kept me from, uh, as, as John tells us in First John, walking in the light as he is in the light. Uh, and so, you know, kind of look at that. And you don't have to tell me. I'm not asking you to speak that out loud. I'm just saying, go back and look and see if something's changed. And if something has changed, just like we talked about the prodigal son a little bit ago, Find your way back to the Father. Find your way back to that. Even as, as King David pled there in Psalms, uh, that in Psalm fifty one twelve, 12, that, that the Lord would restore to him the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's from the New International Version, uh, Psalm fifty one twelve. So think those things through. Try and walk them through if you can. And, um, and and perhaps that will help some. But if you have any questions, feel free to send us an email to word at AFR.net, word at AFR.net. And sometimes we can uh, maybe answer a little better uh, there, too, for you. I, I know that sometimes my emails seem like the epistles of Jim, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we do try and, and answer where we can uh, Debbie from Texas, we're going to try and take your question real quick. Go ahead.
3: Well, my question is, um, you know, I can't find anywhere in the Bible anything about the United States. And what I was wondering, because we've had discussions and Bible studies and people don't know, um, is just that it's going to be obviated because it, it technically was never there before. All right, Hey, Debbie,
0: I'm uh, going to give Alex a shot at that real quick because we've got about 45 seconds.
1: Um, you know, l- let me just say this. I-, I don't think America is specifically mentioned in Bible prophecy because, you know, when the Bible was finished, it would be, you know, 1,700 years before America would even exist. So it really wouldn't have made any sense. I don't know that that means America won't exist at the time of Christ's return. I just think that... Um, it wasn't in there because it wasn't relevant. Um, Israel and the New Jerusalem, those are the, the nations that are most important to Bible prophecy.
0: All right, folks, that's Exploring the Word here on American Family Radio. That was Dr. Alex McFarland, Jim Stanley, and for Bert Harper. Join us tomorrow.